Talking Circle Studio. My name's Samantha. What the hell happened to Lucas? Man, I have no idea. You God, that me. guy, I'm telling you. I don't know where the hell he's going. No, he's he's actually sick this week. So, oh, um, Lucas. I know. I Poor know. Lucas. He's probably, he's probably not going to make it. I don't know. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll pray for him after the show. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Samantha, who is our former, uh, a former guest of the show, um, is joining us this week. So I'm really excited to have you and his co-host. Thank you for coming in on short notice. Excited to be here. Awesome. Um, you know what else is awesome? What's awesome? <laughs> you, know, you know what else is awesome is Ray's energy. That's right. Ray's energy. That's R-A-Z-E. Um, they have the best energy drink on the market. They have two different types of caffeine that they source for this, which is an immediate drop of caffeine and then a time release drop of caffeine so you have like a sustained energy to last you half the day hopefully um it has electrolytes it has less carbonation than any of the other energy drinks out there it doesn't have any creatine in it so you're not all puffy afterwards um and there's no burping because you know less carbonation less burps um i'm telling you scott cherry over at ray's uh, is awesome. He's really he's, they've they've been a supporter of the show since I think the second or third show, um, and and I, I'm really sold on them. They have a, a bunch of flavors, very little sodium, 14 milligrams of sodium per can, uh, unlike the other ones who have like 200 milligrams a can. So um, big shout out to Raise Energy. If you want to go get one, because I know you're looking at me like, hey, where do I get these things? And uh, you can get them over at GNC if there's any around, if any left, or you can go to Vitamin Shop. But really, the place to go would be to go to RepSports. That's R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. RepSports dot com. Go to the coupon code, enter it, enter Dino in the coupon code, D-E-A-N-O. That's D-E-A-N-O. And you will get 15% off. And then we will get uh, some street cred from Ray's. And they will continue loving us. So, okay. my kind of drink. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) We have our guest that was modeling it there. You can't see that yet, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, so um, uh, would you like to introduce our guest today, Samantha? I would love to. Okay. We are welcoming Amanda Jane. Hi. Amanda Jane. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm still breathing, so I'm not going to complain. That's very good. That's really good. Yeah. How's your uh, How's your week going? You know, it has been um, it's been busy and crazy in all kinds of ways that I didn't really plan on. But I've been um, I've been sober. That's good. Yeah, That's good. It, it makes it it makes it a lot easier to uh, to ride the waves when they come and be right. ready to paddle hard, and uh, also to not not squander the time waxing the board either oh, yeah. to get ready for the next round how yeah i mean the the other morning there was this uh, gaff and uh and you were you were coming here at seven in the morning and it felt so bad for you so we, we usually have a 7 p.m uh record time but you were here i got a, a text from you at seven six fifty three, and i was just like i'm, I'm like what wait what is she where is she coming oh, oh no oh no I think that's the first time I've been early for anything in my life. The 12 hours, too. That was good. Yeah. 
That was great. No, but I'm just I'm just glad that uh, you you came back out because I know you were almost all the way here when when you found out. So I'm so sorry about that, but I'm glad you you made it back. So it's all good. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, Amanda Jane. Well, uh, let's let shall we start at the beginning? We can. Yeah, let's start at the beginning. Well, I mean, what's what, do you have a chemical issue that you've been dealing with? Um, it, well, you know what? It's been a really long time since I've been dealing with a chemical issue. Uh, my sobriety date is July 1st of 2012. Oh. Um, it's not my first sobriety date. No? No. Um, I came into the rooms with the intention of sticking around on March 23rd of 2010. And I've just gotten more and more sober since then. I'd have been... Um, Ooh, let's go back to the 90s, shall we? Because the right. 90s were super Flashback fun. Flashback into the 90s. <laughs> Flashback to the 90s. I was uh, I, I was born a child of the Midwest in 1972. Oh. And um, was... Uh, <laughs> my mom got a lot of traction out of this story. I got drunk the first time when I was two at a wedding. I was the flower girl. Oh, wow. Um, my dad was the photographer. And... Um, <laughs> As per the rest of my childhood, I was largely unsupervised. You know, um, mom was. Well, part of the in Midwest, were you? In, Minneapolis, the oh. land of Prince and 10,000 Lakes and okay. Garrison Keeler. And, and alcohol. A lot cool. of alcohol. It's like antifreeze for the blood. It's also the same latitude as Siberia. So right. it mm. was um, one of those prerequisites. Um, at one point, my dad put a fifth of whiskey in my emergency roadside kit just in case I ever got stuck in a blizzard. There was this. Um, bag of votive candles that would only go in in the winter time. Um, there were also a couple cans of Sterno in case the it, there was a heat flash and the um, the votive candles melted. But there was there was whiskey because if if the Sterno ran out and the snowplows hadn't found you yet, um, the whiskey would keep you from freezing to death. Huh? Is yeah. that true or is that just like a, is that a myth? It works for most of Russia. Okay. So, okay. you know, there are a lot of Nordic countries where drinking is kind of like a sport. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, the joke when you cross the border into Wisconsin is that you turn on the tap and beer comes out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know a lot of people that had, you know, the keg, the, the five-gallon kegger in the basement. Jeez. The kegmeister. It was yeah. called the kegmeister. Oh, man. And um, so, you know, it was it was just commonplace. Um yeah, you know, like I said, mom got a lot of traction out of that story. So anytime I got in trouble, um, and you know, there was a there was a talk with the administration of whatever um, school or business I happened to be in, um, there was uh, this <laughs> okay, this got it. amazing. Um, opportunity for mom to say well you know we always knew amanda was going to be a problem since that wedding when she was two and <laughs> so i never really lived that down and you know i got to fill in the blanks on the rest of the story um throughout all of those episodes and there were there were apparently a lot of episodes because i you know and mom was a colorful storyteller um so i i learned um early on a whole bunch of things that it was um that blaming other people for um, things that make us uncomfortable is perfectly fine. Um, right. Which is not perfectly fine, just BT dubs. And um, that uh, that figuring out how to survive 
in a place that's largely unsurvivable can be done. It just takes a heck of a lot of coping mechanisms. And um, so, you know, by the time I got to junior high school and the health teacher said that things like um, smoking and drinking and drugs and caffeine would stunt my growth, I was like, fuck yeah, sign me up. You know, I got <laughs> I got all the babysitting jobs I could get. I was like mowing random people's lawns and saying, hey, you know, just finished the lawn. Did you want me to? And they're just like, oh, we didn't ask. It's like, oh, did I get the wrong address? And like guilt them into paying me. And wow, manipulation I that, was that early very on. Very creative, very That's creative. That was actually the neighbor kid's idea and it worked. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> and I was washing How cars. many times could it work though? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Well, I did a really great job. So like people were like, hey, can we get your number? And I would call them back. Cool, and then right? like their dogs, like dogs love me. I'm really great with pets and children. Um, so I got, I got a lot of babysitting gigs. I was, um, I was the head babysitter at my, at my church. Oh, okay. And, um, so it was like, you know, if I was busy, I started like roping in my friends. I'm like, we're going to need more money from the Barney's. So I'm, you know, the Johnson's need, need a sitter for their kids. I'm like, no, not the Johnson's kids. It's like, well, you know, I'll come over and help. I'll be the lifeguard, you know? And so we, we would, you know, there, there, there was this racket basically early on. It was, it was all about, um, cause you, you got to realize, you know, in seventh grade, I was already five foot 11. And all the boys wow. were like four foot two, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> and, and so, so, how old are you at that point? I was eleven years old. Wow, eleven years old and five foot eleven. And five foot eleven. And they're so, like trying to get you to play basketball. I'm sure that was in fifth grade. I was taller than the coach in fifth grade. And okay. my parents had sent me. So we moved when I was in third grade, and um, there was a Catholic school right across the street, and we're not Catholic. Oh, okay. um, I was raised. I was raised. Well, it's Minnesota, so Lutheran. I mean, it's right. just like, you know, if you ever listen to uh, Prairie Home Companion, you know, most of Minnesota, there's a Lutheran <laughs> church within, you know. <laughs> as far as you can throw a rock. You exactly. Right. Yeah. Stones throw away uh, to a Lutheran church. And um, people do really say things like, you know, toast and coach. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they drink pop. You would think with oh. all the other long O's that they would drink soda, but no, they drink pop. I know. <laughs> yeah. I went to the Midwest one time, and this kid hit me up by a, a vending machine. He goes, hey, can I get some money for some pop? And I'm like, oh, shit, he just asked me money for drugs. I'm right. Like, wow, how I want some pop. Where, well, where are you going to score the <laughs> pop, kid? <laughs> I was yeah. like, this kid wants drugs. He's so young. So young. <laughs> they start him young here. Yeah, I mean, there's, and then that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, when, when you live at the, the, the same latitude as Siberia, you got to get prepared for hibernation like seven months out of the year. It starts snowing. I mean, there's like, there's four perfect weeks in Minnesota. And it's the last two weeks of October when the leaves are changing and, you know, my birthday. And so <laughs> my dad would take me on this beautiful, and he was a photographer. So we would go on this, this gorgeous train ride um, down the St. Croix River, which is the border between Minnesota and Wisconsin. And all the leaves are changing and it's gorgeous. And it's mm -hmm. this train from the thirties and it's like very old school. And, you know, part of it's a little bit boring. So I'd bring like an Agatha Christie novel or something. And um, we would take these beautiful pictures of the fall leaves. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's like one of my favorite times of year because not only is it lovely and it's my birthday, but um, like the mosquitoes are dead. Oh. And, it, and it hasn't started blizzarding yet. 
right? Ah. And then the other two beautiful weeks of the year is like the tail end of May when um, there's not as much risk of a blizzard, really. I mean, Mother's <laughs> okay. Day blizzards are like commonplace there, believe it or not. Oh, God. Um, like Halloween and Mother's Day are kind of like the borders of like, it could be insane. Oh. You just don't know. Wow. And um, <laughs> more bipolar than my first husband, <laughs> the weather. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, May is, um, it's usually kind of safe by the end of May. And so like everything's in bloom, the risk of frost is usually over, and the mosquitoes haven't hatched yet. Oh, okay. So, you know, those are my favorite times of year in Minnesota. The rest of the time, you're just like bracing yourself for, you know, mosquitoes the size where, where of they, where they, Where do they hide when it's so freaking cold there? I mean, it's like... I, I'm I'm not sure how that works. I know, me neither. I'm, I'm not an. It's so cold. I've been in these places when it's really cold, and I'm like, where the? How do they survive? Things hibernate in the mud. I guess I they guess. do. They freeze over and kind of like like tulip bulbs or something. Right. They just winter over really well. Which is really evil tulips, right? Yeah, they are evil <laughs> tulips with wings and stabby bits oh, that yeah. drain your blood. Disgusting. I hate mosquitoes. Mosquitoes suck. So, um, yeah, when I got <laughs> tired of welting and um, having to have a shovel in my trunk, um, I followed husband number two out here. Wait, and, wait, husband, what about husband one? Uh, husband number one. Uh, <laughs> husband. Was, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's still alive and, um, you know, he has been intermittently sober and, so, you know, in the hopes that maybe he'll hear this podcast, I'm going to speak from his, um, from my greatest will of good for him. He was a Gulf War veteran. And um, that was in the first Gulf War, early mm-hmm. 90s. There wasn't a diagnosis in the, DC, in, in the DSM for post-traumatic stress disorder. We mm-hmm. didn't know how to diagnose or treat that. There, um, there wasn't EMDR widely available. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure if it existed yet. Um, they were just kind of like putting the finishing touches on CBT. Mm. So, um, there's, there's a whole lot that, um, that went into <laughs> me being open to that partnership that had, you know, but that, that I've only been able to unpack because of this work through the steps. So, um, yeah, let's back it up a little bit. So um, junior high, um, the promise that things would stunt my growth. And I'm I'm only six feet tall, so it might have worked. Oh, oh, so you got it you only got one worked. inch from that point forward. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's entirely possible. Like at my tallest before the spinal surgery, and we'll get to that way later, um, I I was maybe a little over six feet tall, but not quite six one. Okay. So depending on the day and the disc space. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, and the yoga. God bless yoga. We love yoga. Um, so yeah, um, there were, uh, lots of opportunities, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to get your hands on, um, drugs than alcohol when you're underage. Mm. And so. Isn't that funny? Isn't it crazy? Yeah. And it's like, you know, caffeine was my was my first massive addiction because I mean they they hand it out at church. It can't be bad for you. Right. Right? Like the whole world starts with coffee. Sugar and caffeine. Sugar and caffeine. Well, no, actually, you know what? I think one of one of the 
my mom uh, had a sugar-free household for a while. Oh. Like, she made her own granola. Oh, wow. Very yeah. crunchy. Crunchy. Ye- well, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, crunchy household. Super crunchy. Yeah, super granola crunchy household. Um, there were there was like a commune of hippies next door that actually kind of low-key raised me. And... Um, <laughs> This wonderful man named Joe who lives in New Mexico and runs an art school there was a yoga teacher. And so I got to, I got to go with Joe. My sister and I would go with Joe on Saturday mornings and do the yoga. And my parents would do whatever my parents were doing, like usually like working or arguing, um, which they tried to never do in front of us. So I was raised with this idea that, you know, um, people don't argue because mm. that's just impolite. Mm. And, you know, my dad was this really graceful, sweet, wonderful man. He was a Boy Scout. Um, his mom was a Montessori school teacher. So there was a place for everything and everything in its place. But it wasn't like military order kind of stuff. Um, it was just like, you know, best case scenario. Um, but he also like, never threw anything away that there might be a use for. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah, but he organized the hell out of it. Like you could ask him, hey, I remember you had that thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, one second. And he would like go and move six things and reach behind and hand you the thing that you know hadn't moved in seven years. Jeez. You know, like I had a book report in my junior year in high school and we'd moved to that house uh, last half of my third grade year. And I was like, hey, I need to do um, a nonfiction historically based book report. And there's literally nothing in our history books about the influence of the Japanese in World War II. I would like to know more about that. Why did we bomb them? And he goes, oh, you need to read Hiroshima by John Hershey. Come with me downstairs. And so we went down to the basement where he'd built extra shelves for his books. He had a massive library. And there were um, these crates to keep things off of the damp basement floor. Because okay. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. <laughs> damp basement floors are a thing. And um, so there were these boxes that still had tape on them from the move. And he pulled out one box that was open, pulled out another box from behind it that was still taped, took the tape off of it, opened it up, picked up four books from the top layer, reached down below it. And like none of these books were organized by author or genre. Like there was Leatherbound Neville Shoot, a town like Alice, brilliant, uh, next to... Like Isaac Asimov signed paperback copy of something. And so like just Junior like, Heinleins. Um, so it was just like this random stuff that he just knew how it went. It in. wasn't random to him, though. He's like, you know, it was, it was, it was, it came down to organized by subject matter. Like my dad had a brain like the microfiche. For those of you that are old enough oh, to remember libraries and like, yeah. I love the smell of microfiche and mimeograph toner. I used to get high on that shit. Um, that was like one of my favorite things in Catholic school. They, you know, they kicked me out of class all the time, especially religion class. Cause I would, I would come up with these questions like, you know, Hey, that top 10 list of those commandments, you know, there's one that says thou shalt not worship any graven images, right? Have you guys looked in the cathedral lately? And they're like, you to the art room, you like art so much, you know? And, um, so it was, it was stuff like that. Um, and, and having these big wild ideas and really curious ways of learning how to organize stuff that nobody else could figure out or understand. Um, but it was like this unspoken language between my dad and I, you know, and, and he would come at me when I was like most agitated with like, Random quotes that I've, I finally figured out were from um, this poem, Desiderata, 
And um, it's like things like, you know, listen to everyone, even the dull and the ignorant, they too have their story. Hmm. And I'm like, what can I possibly learn from this? You know, and he's like, you know, just, you don't have to respond to them. And I'm like, but I feel the scars on my knuckles itching. And he goes, yeah, but you don't want to go to prison, right? You know? Right. And it was just like these things, like when I would, when I would get so agitated about something, I was just screaming. It's like, you're not listening to me. And he goes, when you're being that loud about anything, I'm having a hard time believing that you even know what you're saying. So why don't you take a minute? You know? So he was teaching me about serenity. Yeah, um, I was just but say. it was like I was not in a place where I could receive that information as like, you know. He was just planting seeds. He was planting seeds. And it was like, yeah, they, you know, he's dead now. But the, the those things are blooming. And, and it's a beautiful thing because I have teenagers now and I can feel I can feel like the warm waves of my father's laughter from beyond when that's beautiful <laughs> when i can feel the wind coming off of my daughter's eyes spinning in her head you know um <laughs> and it, it's 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 where i get to practice these things yeah. and i actually i you know as an epitaph to my father i, I got to sit around a like tattooed on my leg so oh, it's wow. um you know and, and and it's it is all of the things that allow me to match calamity with serenity as they say on the daily and in every situation in all of my affairs in and out of the rooms um in grocery stores where old ladies who haven't had a conversation with anybody in weeks um are in the express line with 42 items but who's counting and their checkbook (laughs) checkbook and they don't take it out until after all the coupons that they forgot to bring out in the beginning. And you've seen the millennials look at them. They're like, "What? What's that paper that what they hold that? in their hand? Yeah. Why does she have a stylus for a paper?" <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't understand. They're just totally like that's well, like the the curiousness in their eyes. I could just sit in there, yeah. watch it, watch them all day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, let's get out of high school. So, okay, let's get out. I, of high I got to I, to high school, and by how, that how time, are you? So, are you already using it this at this point in high school? Oh yeah, like, yeah. No, like, I, I started I started using regular. whatever I could get my hands on in junior <clears throat> high. So as often as I could, you know, I I made friends based on you know who had access to the best liquor cabinets. Ah, that's and how that's that's how you organized your friends. I got gotcha. you. Not entirely, but um, I mean, we we lived in a nice neighborhood. My parents organized our our um, living situations so that we were we were surrounded by nice things that we couldn't afford all the time. Oh. So enter lack and limitation and yeah. compare and despair, right? Uh, you have siblings. I have one sister who's six years older than me. She's not in the room, so she'll never hear this. Um, she, <laughs> so I can speak freely about her. Um, she's. Uh, she has a curious response to alcohol. We, we would call her a toucan Sam, like anything after toucans. And she's like worshiping the porcelain God for the rest of the night. So she just oh. doesn't. Oh, wow. She just doesn't. Because like... her dad was an alcoholic and she's like really afraid. So I see. in other words, like not, um, she's like, she's like, I'm, and I, I honestly can't speak for her. I don't know what kinds of therapy she's done over the years. But um, I'm I'm sure this podcast won't be on her on her hit list. list. So is alcohol your choice of drug? It was it was my training wheels for sure. 
um, because it was it was always around and it was very much culturally acceptable. Um, my parents were big fans of like, well, the French introduced people to wine early on so that they can learn to drink responsibly. Yeah. And so my dad was like a total normie, as we would say. He would brace himself with two fingers of scotch before sitting down to pay the bills. And he would, you know, because it just just the scotch in a low ball sitting there uh, next to the stack of mail. And um, he's like so freaking normal that he's, you know, once he got everything open and he's like, oh, we actually have the money for all of this. It's not a bad deal, you know. <laughs> and he would pay the bills and he would forget to drink the scotch. Ah. But I got... But you remember it was there. Oh, I, I, I was in charge of dishes. So... <laughs> That was great. And I got to, I got, you know, I got, I got points for cleaning up all the dishes and I got points for, um, like cleaning up the, um, the coffee maker in the morning, made that thing shine. Mm. Um, and so I got the leftover coffee. I got extra coffee on Sundays. I actually helped out with the coffee commitment at church before opening up the daycare. I got there like way early. You two were um, taking care of your caffeine habit pretty good. I was, I was, and I was, um, I was keeping um, <laughs> all the all the 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 hidden sugar. Like um, one of the things that my dad did um, to help us survive my mother's crazy not have sugar in the house thing was that there was a five pound bag of sugar and a box of whatever kind of like sugar slam cereal we wanted, like. I, <laughs> Like, remember when it was like sugar smacks and then honey smacks, and yeah. I don't even know what kind of smacks they are now. Captain but Crunch, and yeah, I yeah yeah Captain Crunch was was all right. Um, there were Cookie um, Crisp. Yeah, no, I, I, got, I got a bunch of yeah. them. I, I got a bunch of them in my head. You know, like I I, I went through them all. So many things. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the, the cereals of the seventies were magical. Right. They they don't make them the same anymore. Um, but yeah, there, there was like contraband in my bedroom closet. He would bring up his coffee and my grape nuts and I would open up my window and dump out the grape nuts and have my real cereal. <laughs> and, um, so that was, you know, that's how he, Papa was the homie and he had no idea, um, you know, what, <laughs> what he was setting me up for. But, um, yeah, no, that was, that was just like one of our little rituals together. And um, so by the time I got to high school, it was fairly well established that, you know, mom was cuckoo. Um, Pop was like, you know, on this amazing pedestal of like, he's the only reason that I kept like, you know, not being too weirded out by Christianity as a whole, even though it's like, you know, super misogynistic and (laughs) a lot of things, Um, you know, religion as a whole. He actually was one of the things one of the influences in my life that allowed me the the space to go and discover and have an open mind and, you know, hang with the people that were teaching me about Dharma and, um, you know, Buddha and, um, like, the, the little red mushrooms that you always see in folklore. And there's, like, you know, <laughs> an entire German religion about tree mushrooms. Yeah, that's fascinating wow. stuff. Yeah, psilocybins are big over in Germany. Um, so... so. Um, there's, there's, there's a whole lot that can be learned. And so by the time I got to, um, junior high and high school, um, it was basically, well, you know, my favorite drug was what you got. 
Ah. And I'll save mine for later because I'm a fucking connoisseur. <laughs> like, if we run out, then I'll dig into my stash. But, you know, and but I was always willing to, you know, kind of be the concierge and bring people, good people together. You ah. know, that's why Dean and I are still friends. Right. <laughs> that's right. And so, um, you know, bringing good people together has always been like one of the things that's like a superpower for me because um, I don't like people that harsh my mellow. You know, so by the time, um, by the time I got to high school and, um, wasn't getting the help that I needed to get the diagnosis for, um, I don't even think they really had all the diagnoses that I was when I was in high school. Um, I didn't get diagnosed until right before I met you in like the early two thousands. Um, super dyslexic. Oh, um, super dyslexic. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, probably on some facet of the spectrum, but like ridiculously high functioning, like Asperger's side. Right. Like right, if right. I like doing something, I'm going to be the best at it, and I'm going to push the boundaries on how to do it. Like I'm the goat of some things. Right. Right. And but then I get bored with it, and then I'll go be, you know, I'll go figure out something else mm. and push it to the next level. You okay. know. So that's why I've had this, you know, 27 year long career doing what I do, um, helping people with their bodies mm. and getting them, you know, tapped into connecting with their minds and being able to um, acknowledge for themselves where there have been these divine spiritual experiences that maybe they didn't recognize as such that allowed them to step through what they did and survive it in order to make it into my professional practice where I can help them work through that stuff and, and create openings within the body for them to have the faith to step forward without alcohol and drugs. Right. right so, right. um, but in order to get there, um, you know, high school was, um, was tough. I was always the youngest and the tallest, so I never fit in. Right. Right. I was also like, you know, the Hermione Granger hand up in the air with all the fucking answers. And it's like the teacher would always be like trying to look past me like anybody else. Oh, you know? Yeah, and that's rough. Super rough. Um, I be, because of what I found out was dyslexia, I couldn't I couldn't write out my work in math. I had to do it in my head. And so when you do that and you're like, looks like a cheater. <laughs> yeah. But I was like sitting in the back row of it's like the seating chart, um, like looks like the front of the class is here. And like, I'm sitting way in the back left part of the class. And the only person even near me is my friend who was like the stoner guitar player. Right. And like, it's the only the the bus driver from the Simpsons. <laughs> Not even. No, no. <laughs> He's just like, you know, <laughs> super rad dude, but like he, he would get bored and like snort Banaka in class just to see if it felt like anything. <laughs> and like, it sounds like me. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love him. He's great. You know, he's like one of the people that I would look forward to seeing at a class reunion if I ever had gone to any of them in the last 30 years, but I'm like, you know, social anxiety. Right. So, um, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm socially anorexic and, you know, a total like, uh, avoidant of, of many things, but also, um, when I have to be on point, it's like my, my mom basically told me to change the answers on my first Myers-Briggs because I didn't, I didn't want to not be an extrovert because oh. you'll never be successful if you're not an extrovert. Right. I don't know about that. Well, that's, that's what, what she mom thought. said. Right. That's what she thought. <laughs> that's what mom said. 
which explains like why she was sort of a basket case. Because yeah. turns out mom's super introverted. Oh. So projecting fears much, you know, and um, so by the time I graduated from high school at the age of 17 um, with a GPA that turns out when I got my transcripts to go to college wasn't that bad. I graduated with like a three point something. That's in the bees, yeah. It's, it's in the good. bees, yeah. you know, uh, which is a, a freaking miracle after failing freshman English and almost failing a bunch of other things. And, um, you know, luckily, you know, Minneapolis is a place where a lot of people with a lot of creative skills have come to, yeah. to like, like Prince, uh, his, uh, his guidance counselor was my assistant principal 10 years later. Oh, that's funny. And so when my dad was the one who got the call one day, um, he showed up and talked to, um, <laughs> Mr. Sager, Mike Sager, if you happen to be alive and listening to this, your ace is in my book. Um, he was great. He said, you know, she reminds me a lot of this, this young man named Rogers Nelson that I, I used to have over at this other school. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, kind of not doing the homework and then can I get some extra credit to try to make up for this and then writing a freaking thesis. And wow. so my teachers would be like, oh, wow, okay. Right, right. You, you actually researched. And I'm like, yeah, because, I mean, you said that if I wrote the thing. I, I and needed to have they're the like, well, all right, well, I, I guess here's the points. You well, know? That's cool. So I, I, I learned how to manipulate, control, manage, do all the things that I needed to do in order to get by, which is not on other people's time schedules because right. I was super busy. <laughs> Right. Um, so when the drinking age got changed from 17 to 21, when I was, or 18 to 21, I was 17 and a half. When Ugh, the drinking age got changed. And it cruel, was like, cruel jokes. Fuck. And then I found out about the whole like same latitude as Siberia thing. And I was like, that's where Russia sends its worst criminals. Like, okay, clearly I was born to be punished. <laughs> yeah. And this is not cool. And I really just want to see live music. You know, because I graduated from high school in 1990. So I wound up getting this job. Um, my first job was at some sports bar that's not there anymore. And um, it was just basically I had to get some experience in a bar in order to get the job at the club where they had the good music. Right. Right. right? So First Avenue and the 7th Street entry where they filmed Purple Rain. Oh. It, I, I got a job doing security. So I was in the mosh pit. And um, learned how to kick some ass. That's Went to like the MMA studio to also protect myself from the people the who... The combat boots that were coming at you. No, no more like, you know, the after party people that were putting roofies in my drinks and taking oh. advantage. And um, oh, yeah, I forgot to... My parents didn't have the best choice in babysitters. Right. So, you know, there were things that happened to, to me and... Probably to my sister, and she's not here, so I won't tell her story. But um, I there was a lot of unpacking to do, right? And um, I was really angry for a lot of years, and I wore the that little chip on my shoulder. Um, you think um, 
you think that 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 a lot of the i mean some of the use at least that escapism had to do with some of that it's entirely possible you know that mm-hmm. started early yeah and you know i wasn't even i wasn't even seven years old yeah and that was like over a few years time so um it's entirely possible that you know a lot of the ways that i learned um you know, at that wedding was when I was two, my mom said that I tried to take off the dress like a million times. It's like formal wear is still like you see I'm wearing stretchy cotton things and I usually take the tags out of everything. I forgot to take the tags out of this and I got here and I was like, because eh, there's a tag in the back of this dress. But um, like anything that's synthetic, it's just like crazy. I'm super duper like sensory processing dysfunction to the max. So um, taffeta dress. Uh-huh. Is like torture. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like I wanted to take ballet classes. Fuck the costumes, you know. And <laughs> um, but you know, they also looked at my feet and were like, "Oh, unless they start recruiting for the pot do from the NBA, they'll never find anybody that can lift this one. Don't even waste your money." Oh. So you know, it's like when you tell little girls they can be anything they want to be. You know, they still had height restrictions on flight attendants. So, you know, yeah. my travel plans were out the window. And <laughs> yeah. no, I know. I know yeah. there's all this stuff that you find out about these days that like, like these restrictions, even like uh, for uh, for like the, the police academy and stuff, you know, there's like, oh, no, you're too short. You're too big. You're too fat. You're too small. You're too. Because uh, there's gear. I mean, you've got to be able to tote the gear in order right. to do the job. Right. And, um, you know, I get that. I, I've got to not be, if, if turbulence happen, I am a liability for mm. the airline. And I get that because like the overhead compartments in my head, they collide when I'm just trying to like get on the plane. Yeah. You know, somebody gets but out I don't their know seat. The, I don't think those restrictions are in place anymore, right? They may have lifted them, but yeah. I also wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to do it anymore anyway. I, I don't have the people skills to be like, especially now with in COVID land. Oh, Welcome yeah. to the enclosed capsule. Oh God, That'd we'll be, be breathing each other's. Everyone is flesh. like on super on super alert. <laughs> Everyone's in fight or flight the whole flight and looking right? around. And it's like you know I'm 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 double vax so I've I've moved back to cotton with a little wire. Nice. But, um, you know I'm I work in a medical facility so I. Typically, it's like the super, super duper masks. Super super masks, yeah. Right. Um, but you know, when I when I when I met husband number one, yeah, and we'll circle back to that. Um, I was working as a bouncer in the nightclub, and um, when I was nineteen, they told me that like six different doctors told me because this is what happens when you take the same tests and the same chart to a different doctor and say. They told me this. What do you think? They're like, well, it looks like they're, they're right. Right. I didn't know how to get a proper second opinion or <laughs> right, right. how to be a patient advocate for myself. I've learned these things um, over time. Um, so, yeah, six different doctors told me that I was never going to have kids. And you know how that worked out. It's kind right. of funny. Three so, kids later. <laughs> <laughs> three kids later. Um, yeah. So husband number one came on the scene. Um uh, not too long after that, within a year after that. And, um, I was in the best shape of my life. Um, I, you know, I was 20, looked like an action figure, uh, cause it was a freaking kickboxer. It's like, I, I looked right. like one of the characters from, you know, street fighter versus mortal Kombat, <laughs> And, and it was on, you know, uh, he was this, you know, big boy from Georgia, like six, five and a half deep Southern drawl, 22 inch biceps. I was like, Jesus. I can, I can climb that and use those as pillows. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and it was great, you know, he was, he was just crazy enough to keep up with me. My best thinking at that time was, 
I'm saving up for a Harley Davidson. I'm going to put it on a cattle boat to China where I'm going to go and learn how to be an acupuncturist. And the University of Beijing has a two-year application process. And I'll just, you know, take my Harley up to the Yangtze River in northern China, learn how to cook Sichuan from scratch and how to farm those herbs and like what's seasonal and blah, 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 blah. And then take the Himalayan highway through Nepal, catch the Golden Eagle Festival, take that right at Constantinople, go up to, to Paris and practice my French, maybe stop in the Loire Valley, do mm-hmm. a little wine tasting. And then, you know, go back. And if I have time to do Southeast Asia before I go back to Beijing, that's how that'll work out, right? right. Yeah. And then Loose six, plans. Loose, loose plans. right? Yeah. Nothing too, nothing too detailed. I got, right. I, got two, I, got I got two years to work this out, All right? right? Perfect. And then so six weeks after we moved in together to save up for this amazing trip, I got pregnant. Oh. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, here, take this with you to work. And he hands me a pregnancy test. I'm like, dude, six doctors. And he's like, no, but I really think you're pregnant. I'm like, I really think you've been smoking with the neighbors. Right. Well, he had probably, but. No, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, no, we we had moved. um, When I met him, I was living in a place with nine guys and one bathroom. It was this old Victorian mansion in the hood. Oh, my God. But but it was like, it was the after party place. We called it the doghouse. And it was like, you know, basically, we would have people couch surfing after bar every night of the week. Wow. Um, A couple of my friends that lived there were um, taxi cab drivers, night shift. And so, you know, a few of them were chefs in the local restaurants. And um, as long as you knew how to do something construction-like to help fix up the place, you could live there for 150 bucks a month. Wow. And um, I need to move there. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I, I learned a little bit about sheetrocking and taping and plastering. And my dad had taught me, the Boy Scout had taught me a few things about, um, you know, how to make the wiring safe and test things and do this. And how, how is your relationships with your, uh, with your family going during, during this, these time? I mean, is your, you sound, it sounds like your, your chemical use is like starting to increase. At the, I mean, you're working as a bouncer. Oh, or... I was, I was so out of my mind for the couple of years right before I met, um, husband number one. Um, my dad, my dad didn't really have concerns. He didn't have the big like, Hey, are you okay? Talk with me mm-hmm. until, um, after husband number one left the country with the equivalent of my life savings and a 19 year old and moved to Amsterdam. Ah. And, um, the, that first baby was about two years old. She's 27 now. And so I had um, a bigger chip on my shoulder, no money in the bank, um, and a two-year-old that I needed to feed. And um, I had given up my spot as an independent contractor um, in the beauty industry in order to work for someone else for the first time in my life. So it's like when I I was thumbing through the book, um, um, that's uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, okay. um, Right before... um, this podcast because it's like um in chapter three more about alcoholism it talks about you know this 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 laundry list of things that we tried to do in order to manage and control a little better and it's like you know taking a trip not taking a trip swearing off with or without a solemn oath um agreeing never to drink on the job or agreeing to quit if ever caught being drunk on the job and it's like when you own the place and you're 19 years old but you're their highest producing person they're not going to fire you for having a full bar and getting Mrs. Pillsbury drunk. Right. 
right? right, right. <laughs> she she thought I was hilarious, and she liked the way I made martinis. So, yeah, um, once you teach all the assistants how to make the right martini, just you know, perfectly dry. And, um, you know, or, or <laughs> extra dirty. That's how I liked them. You know, it's like, just, just pour, pour some gin over olives and that'll be my lunch. Thanks. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, if they're stuffed with garlic and blue cheese, then it's, then it's a well-rounded meal. Right. We've got food groups involved, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, that was happening by the time, um, by the time I was 19 and 20 and, um, you know, right until, Right until I had uh, a, a bit of a mishap and like couldn't really feel my body for five days. And that was a couple of months before I got pregnant with my first daughter. Oh. And, um, but that was like 1993. And I, I did that 911 prayer that you hear people talk about in, in the rooms where it's like, you know, if you're listening and you exist, please help me out of this. Right. Please take this obsession for drugs for me, except for cigarettes. Because if I don't have a cigarette, someone's going to lose their fucking teeth. And like, <laughs> I know caffeine's a drug too, but like, how do you do mornings without that? And I mean, alcohol's still legal, and I'm not even 21 yet. So, um, so there's a bunch of exceptions there. Right? You know, marijuana is natural. I mean, yeah. Genesis 1:12. I've given you all the seed-bearing gifts and herbs. You know, right? And is chocolate a drug? <laughs> Oh, oh and if they prescribe me anything, just don't let me use it like a crack whore, okay? Oh, and um, so that was the short list that I ran with from 93 until, um, like, my evasive maneuvers ran out 17 years later. And I right. came crying to you guys, um, like, March 23rd of 2010 was the first meeting that I went to on purpose. And... Okay. Um, in the meantime, I'd met husband number two. Um, he was a computer guy with delusions of grandeur who wanted to be an actor and hadn't decided if New York or L.A. would be better for his career, right? Um, and I was like, well, you don't like winter any more than I do. So, um, you know, why don't you go to Los Angeles? Because even if you wind up homeless there, it's not a bad place to be homeless. <laughs> so... Hasta luego, adios, back in Dios. And um, he's like, what was that? I'm like, and you might want to learn some Spanish. Let me help you move out there and find a decent place that's, you know, central and I'll introduce you to some of my friends. So, you know, that happened. And I, I kissed him goodbye. And I went back home. And less than a year later, he's like, hey, I can't imagine a life without you and your daughter um, in it. I'm coming back next week. And I was like, wow, you gave up fast. And he goes, no, I'm just coming back long enough to help you file that divorce, get a U-Haul and come on out here. I've, you know, my, my bills are paid two months in advance. I got another two months worth of bills in the bank. Um, I'm marketable as hell. Let's do this. And it was October. Winter was coming. Right. Sounded like a great idea. You know, I'd been scoping at all these places where citrus trees grows naturally and there's bumps on the road because, you know, they don't have the infrastructure for snow plows. Right. Right. So. Right. That's pretty good. And Florida has bigger bugs than Minnesota. Oh, yeah. And serpents. Yeah. And not so much here, you know. So I'm like, okay, well, Los Angeles, I mean, I kind of never wanted to move out here. But, yeah, no, I, yeah. There, there might be good things. And I've got, you know, my best friend from high school um, who, funny enough, I, I met her coming out of Hazelden. Um, so she was like sober when I was at my worst. So oh. we know that she's like a solid friend because we're still friends. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Pretty amazing. And she lives in Palm Springs. And so, and we have the, the, the whole fashion and beauty industry thing in common. Um, and, um, 
she's more dyslexic than me. So I, I did like, I read the entire textbook on tape, like cassette, remember cassette tapes? Oh yeah. Yeah. I read the entire cosmetology book on to cassette tapes so she could study for the exam and be able to highlight stuff. And, um, so she was my backup plan <laughs> Okay. as, um, if I, if I were a lesbian, she would have been like my number one choice. Right. I could have soulmate. grown old. Yeah. Total soulmate. We could have grown old together happily. And, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, was been number two that kind of didn't work out. It was, um, it was, uh, a 16 year marriage. I was 14 years into it. When I came into the rooms, um, my spine had been broken. Um, my youngest daughter had been conceived when my spine was broken. Um, not my idea, but it's what happened. Accident? And, um, yeah, a series of unfortunate events, let's say. Um, okay. but, um, a lot of things compounded, basically me managing and controlling everything or mm-hmm. trying to, to the best of my abilities and, um, learning how to power through things instead of acknowledging things. Who's ever done that? Gosh. And, um, so coming in, it was, um, me with my broken spine, um, one, <laughs> One lost pound away from death. I, it's like they make the joke in the modeling industry that the perfect weight for New York and Milan is like two pounds above organ failure. And I'd lost those last two pounds. Oof. I was so jaundiced. I was like, <laughs> I was the color of this Reese's Pieces oh. box, kind of, sort of. Um, and uh, actually, I've got a picture. I'll dig it up for you. I was. Um, I think I remember. Is that the one where you had really short hair? I was bald, yeah. The drag queens got a hold of me to to polish me up, and um, they brought me to Tranny Shack down at the Echoplex because um, <laughs> yeah. they paid my daughter and pizza to hang out with the littles, and because um, she was a teenager by then. So yeah, I had a teenager that alternately wanted to kill me in my sleep or was slipping a blood pressure cuff on my arm to see if I was still alive because they had medicated me so heavily, but she needed to make sure that I would wake up the next day in order to get her to school and bring the littles, my, my son and my baby girl, um, to their different schools. Right. And, um, then come back home, wake up dad, get him showered and dressed and off to work so that we would all have like food on our plates and a roof. And it's so, responsibility. yeah, super, super, super responsible girl. Um, you know, uh, it was not my intention to parentify her, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, she became mommy's little helper, um, much more than I would have liked. Um, but I literally like the, the, the place that my spine was broken, my entire body f- surface felt like it was on fire. There was a bulging disc in the front of my spine where the autonomic nervous system kind of junctures with everything else. And so everything felt like it was on fire all the time. And um, the rupture in the back of that same disc at the bottom of the spine meant that my legs didn't really work reliably. Oh. So um, after wasting away... <laughs> During the pregnancy, I lost 87 pounds while I was pregnant. Wow. Um, we both almost died, but luckily she was, my, my youngest daughter was born fat and happy. And, um, wow. I, uh, wow. You're just like skin and bones there. Yeah. I couldn't fill out a B cup. And for those of you listening and not seeing me, I'm like, a, am an H cup. Um, 
And they're natural. <laughs> so, like, yeah, my, seeing my ribs sticking out in this picture is... It's, and it has a saffron yellow dress. And I'm like, it looks like a bad mystic tan, doesn't it? And that's just me with liver damage because of um, the weight loss and um, the ridiculous amount of prescriptions that they had me on. So when I came into the rooms, it was not because I had been drinking and using to a horrific extent. It's that I'd been trying to manage and control things and white knuckling it. Like I was, I was dry, crispy, 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 dry. Yeah. If I wasn't on nine prescriptions, four times a day, filling in the blanks with medical marijuana and the ketamine that they prescribed me. Wow. So, um, when I came in and I was like drooling on the tables at the bliss cafe, March 23rd of 2010. And for, several months afterwards, tapering off all those meds, there were plenty of people telling me that I didn't belong there, that I shouldn't be there high. Um, and thank God for the trainer that said, you know, anybody that says that to you, just, you know, show them the third tradition, show yeah. them the story about Eddie, show them, you know, the story about Abby, show them, you know, all these stories in this book and know that you have a place here. Um, and, you know, here's this fabulous pamphlet um, about the AA member medications and other drugs. Mm. Read that. And so when my grand sponsor said, you know, when are you ready to change your sobriety date? And I was like, when are you ready to read this here pamphlet? And he was like, when are you willing to take a fucking suggestion? And I said, why is it so important to you? Mm. This is like two years into my recovery. Um, I hadn't had a drink, you know. Mm. Um, the thing that had convinced me to come to the rooms was a single sip of champagne that I had on February 12th of 2010. So six weeks later, I came to my first meeting because of that awakened allergy, that one sip of champagne was just enough to wake up the demons, right? Right. And um, so I'd, started, I'd started fantasizing about, um, oh, God, it'd be so great to, once I get off these meds, just one margarita would get me to the right place. Right. Right. right? Just one. And, um, but the thing that scared the shit out of me, I was in Trader Joe's and I was getting ready to check out and like, this was on March 23rd of 2010, um, you you, you kind of had to walk down the liquor aisle on the way to the cashier. And there was, the, the light caught this green glass bottle just right. And mm. it was a screw cap Gekikan sake. I said screw cap and she cringed. <laughs> she knows, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, three forty nine on sale, and which is never a good idea. It's like a step to the left from kerosene. <laughs> I would not like marinate bad meat and serve it to my enemies with this shit. Oh. And but it's like it looks sexy to me, right? Right. And my my correct brain is like, this is never a good idea. What are you doing? And the other side of my brain was like, well, yeah, but that and some heroin, you wouldn't have to feel anything. <laughs> oh, obsession. At this I don't like right. heroin. You know, I'd only experienced it once. I was tied up and shot up. Mm. Nothing about that experience was good, right? But my brain was like, but remember Oblivion? It was so nice. Mm. You could get there. Oblivion's right there. That's like, fuck, I didn't realize I'd been seeking Oblivion my whole life. Mm. Right? And that's what scared me into the rooms because I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. 
God damn it, those people in the 12 steps, they have some knowledge. Like, I've, I'd gone to those meetings with all my friends that got out of Hazelden and, or got kicked out of Hazelden and needed to have their things side before they went back to the judge or to get back into their rehab. And it's like, man, I was the one that would pick you up from a rehab and bring you to the place with the styrofoam cups and the cigarette butts and get your shit signed right. so that we could go to the party and then give you the stuff to clean your whiz before I bring you back to the rehab. Oh, God. Right, I was a good friend. I was a good friend, you know. But (laughs) something like that, you know. All these years later, (laughs) yeah, it's called enabling. There's Alanon for that, but um, or Coda, whatever you like. Um, but but it all comes back to um, you know, I I heard people talking about getting their lives back like a country song in reverse. They got their jobs back. They got their spouses back. They got their 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 sweet relationships restored the dog came back to life whatever and um i was like you know i want to do that right i need to do that you know i need to stay alive for my kids and so i begged my my trainer that i'd met at this wedding it's like the the weird it's like my high power works in the weirdest ways it's like i knew that my um when my best friend from seventh grade, who I thought had died in a motorcycle accident, found me on MySpace back when that was a thing the first time, Whoa. that there was like some, so, there was some magic there, you know? Um, and <laughs> when he told me he was engaged to the mistress of the dungeon at Bar Sinister and was going to marry her, um, I was like, oh, clearly he's been brought back into my life so I can save him from this terrible marriage. Because that sounds terrible to me mm-hmm. at that time. I don't know. Well, right. And and then I met her and I was just like, oh, my God, she's fucking rad. You know, I really like her. And Dom- dominatrix. Yeah, dominatrix, dom- mistress of the dungeon. And so, you know, and it made sense that she was like, she was six years sober. Mm. And I was like, but how do you swing that job? So, you know, so I, I got to know her and um, I, I got to meet a lot of other sober people in that moment. And my daughter was born a couple months later, six months after that. I was like, hey, you know a lot about bodies and pain. Mine's really broken. Do you know somebody that can help me get strong enough to be a candidate for this back surgery? Because they're telling me that I'm, I might not survive the surgery if I don't get strong enough. And she's like, oh, yeah, remember the guy that you met who was the usher? And I was like, I thought he was just some twacked out bouncer. Yeah. And um, I was like, you know, he's on mouth. He's not sober. And she goes, oh, that's funny. No, he's been sober for like two and a half years. And one of the best trainers in the world. Love him. Wow. I should have him come to your show. Um, he's I'll a great guy. And and he saved my life because he was just like, I was like, come on, there's got to be something I can do. And he's like, you know what? I want you to really work hard on today. And I said, what's that? He's like, how about some self-compassion? Mm. Gosh, that's a tough one. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's like, you know, my, my kids call him their uncle because um, he's been the closest thing I've ever had to a brother. And he brought me to these meetings. And, you know, when I when I went in there the day after seeing the sake at Trader Joe's and I was like crying because I couldn't move 16 pounds on the triceps, um, which is the equivalent of two gallons of milk. And I'm I'm kind of big and strong. So that was like shocking to me. Yeah. He was like, stop, stop. What are you thinking? What are you doing? What, what are you feeling? And I was like, um, my legs are seven, my arms are four. He goes, no, 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 no. Forget about your body for two seconds. What are you feeling? And he pointed to his heart, and I was like, "My life sucks, and maybe my husband's right there. I should just kill myself because I'm worthless, and I can never be of help to anybody." Mm. Blah blah blah, like all the shit on page fifty-two. Uh, if anyone's not familiar, that's the bedevilments. Um, 
and they're talking about in the book about um, the Wright brothers getting that plane off the ground and how all the neighbors thought those boys were just crazy. They're going to crash and kill themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the second paragraph of this book here, it says, um, we had to ask ourselves why we should, because like as soon as those guys got the plane off the ground, the neighbors are like, oh, wow, I wonder if we could get that thing to the moon, right? So we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And that G.O.D. thing was one of the things that kept me out of the rooms for so long because, you know, man, those two years of Catholic school fucked me up. <laughs> you know? You're not the only one. I know. I know. I actually have a mug, a picture of a mug that somebody gave me and said, I survived Catholic school. Um, and... The thing is, it's like the human constructs around what God wants you to do against other people are human constructs, mm. right? And it's like nowhere in the places that like cross match in all the religions and any of that stuff talked about. The only differences that we have culturally are what we wear to the dinner table and what's on the dinner table. Mm-hmm. That's but there's true. a lot of intersections beyond that, and most of them are kind of boiled down in here. So, you know, I had to come up with a lot of acronyms. It turns out that the only barriers to me having any kind of faith were the belief systems that had been um, <laughs> branded into my ass. It's like I had fire and brimstone shaped, you know, things, you know, scarred into me that mm. I needed to remedy right coming in and so thanks to the dominatrix i got to remanufacture my relationship with the things that worked well for me in the universe without any attachment to any any particular form of religion whatsoever and she was well acquainted with all of them which was great you know she's like let's just play in the in-between spaces because we know how to bend the rules without breaking them so let's dance in all the spaces in between and i'm like fuck yeah Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So my favorite acronyms for God, I mean, people have heard, you know, group of drunks, the great outdoors, you know, girls off drugs, um, good orderly directions. My favorite one is grace over destiny. Because as long as I can do that, if I can lead with love in any situation, I can walk into custody court with Wesman number two and talk about the best future for the teenagers and say, um, all of these statements are conjecture, Your Honor. There's no evidence of this. Right. Right. I'm here for the best interest of my children. And the beautiful thing is, that's it. I get to stand in truth today. I get to be rigorously honest with myself and others. Right? I get to be rigorously honest about the stark raving difference between the two parts in step one, where it talks about, I'm powerless over, insert your predilection here. And as a result, my life is unmanageable. And that's just the beginning of the flow chart, right? Yeah. Because, sorry, I have a drinking problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just feed you water now. That's the it's just, yeah, it's okay. My mama made me washable. Um, so once I figure out if it's something that, you know, whatever is agitating me, am I powerless over this? Or what aspects of this am I truly powerless over? Um, 
And which parts of it do I just find to be detestably unmanageable? And I learn how to ask for help with the unmanageable bits. And I learn how to turn over to, you know, this great force of grace over destiny, otherwise known as quarks. If you want to read up on quantum physics, it's like the biomechanics of the universe. It's fucking rad. Um, Higgs boson particles are like one of seven different types of particles that move the quarks around. Um, Go dig. It's really fun. You could get lost in there for a long time. It's a deep wormhole. Love it. Um, but yeah, my 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 higher power is big enough to manage all that. And um, so it doesn't matter what I'm facing on a daily basis. Once I get that stuff that I'm powerless over out of the way mm-hmm. and don't tangle with it, the rest of it's really, really easy because I have a flow chart um, of, you know, how I used to do things and what I could do differently, knowing what I know now. Mm-hmm. And as long as I live in that, I don't have to do any more amends, you know? Yeah. And it's pretty rare that I have to say, oh, my God, I completely screwed up. I got to do that today, actually. I totally screwed up. I didn't press the done button, saving something on my calendar. Um, but they're, they're scheduled for next week, and they're actually fine with that. Okay. And, um, you know, that's that's one of the biggest problems that I have today. And if that's my biggest problem today, that's, it's kind of a rad day. It's so much, uh, it's so much, so much better than it all. Than it was 20 years ago or whatever, 10 years ago, even, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, way better than 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 yeah I actually, I actually, um, I, I get to find miracles in the mundane every day. And serenity to me is not boredom. I used to think that serenity meant boredom. I know. I know. It's a, that's, that's a huge thing coming into the rooms. I know that like, Everyone was always bored. Everyone, everyone knew with me was we were all bored. We're all bored, but like that's that's boredom and serenity. It's all about perspective. And I haven't like, been bored since I got sober. I, I, I was so much to do. I think I was bored because like I didn't understand that like you know not being not being over uh, overly excited or uh, or overly stimulated. I thought that was that was a normal. You know, and, and so getting used to not being overly stimulated, that was like, oh, that's not boredom. That's that's just like what this life can be. And like I've I've come to enjoy it, you know, after a while. But it took me a while, you know. Yeah. But I'm that, a stimulant guy em- also. So maybe. that empty space is kind of luscious when you settle into it. It's like um my my the the Dom, my first sponsor, um, I had seven my first year. Um I've been with the same one for the last eight and a half years now. Um when I was doing my fourth step with her, and more importantly, when I was doing five, six, seven, eight afterwards, um, she said the goal is to really empty all of the gears from that guilt and shame manufacturing device that's been stored between your ears. Right. And just take out one cog at a time and just lay it all out and inspect the parts. Some of them might be useful for something else. You can repurpose everything. But once you clear out the space, take a look at what you really want to put back in there for use. Yeah. And yeah. what would you do with that empty space if, if you could turn it from, you know, the warehouse for this device into something new? And it's like, I'm not going to tell you what I decided to do with my space because that's mine. Yeah. But it's a really creative space. And um, that's the place where I get to meet my higher power, um, my version of the higher power, source force, whatever you want to call it, and say, okay, I'm out of ideas. You know, my yeah. favorite three word prayer is whatever, show me. And going into that space. <laughs> like, that's so California. That's so like Valley Girl. Whatever, show me. Yeah. You know what I mean, I love that. But, but I mean, you know, like that conscious contact with God, that's that, um, that, that we, 
are supposed to be practicing on a daily basis, that is where you get all this. That's where the inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm. And like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going over this. I'm going over, I'm going over, uh, 84 to 89 every day now. Me and my girlfriend are, are trying to read it together and we're taking notes and we're talking. It's kind of weird because we're doing the same, the same few pages, but a friend of ours is, um, he's talked a lot about it. And I, you know, you, you kind of get attracted to certain people in the program and you're like, man, I want what this dude has. And so like, you know, talking to him, he's like 84 to 89, 84 to 89. I'm like, ah, oh, God, this guy with the fucking 84 to 89. But, but like going over it every day, I'm like, I'm, I, and, and actually trying to make that conscious contact with God. It's, it's kind of interesting because like I have like this serenity, the, uh, like I, I just upped my serenity, like, which I didn't think was possible till the last, like, you know, since I've been doing this. So pretty awesome. Yeah. No, the, the, the payoffs on the investment are, are kind of ridiculously yeah. steep. It's like the prospectus on this thing. Um, when you actually do it, mm-hmm. when, when you get, when you get four through nine out of the way, mm-hmm. and it's like that flow chart of one through three that I talked about, it's like, okay, powerless, hand it off. I have this, I have a God, I have oh. a God can, uh-huh. um, cause anything I can't do, God can. Oh, right. Okay. So I have everybody that I work with, um, whether or not they're doing a 12 step program. Sometimes like even people that, I, that come into my professional practice in the medical field, it's like, um, something that they're struggling with. I'm like, what's your re- relationship like with the universe at large? You know, can we use the acronym of God, you know, grace over destiny. Right. You'd like to not be limping when you leave here. Right. You know, right. How, how awesome would it be to be able to reach overhead again with that frozen shoulder you've got. Right. Let's unfreeze. Let's thaw that out, you know, and, and helping them move through into a new space and a new relationship with everything that's available to them is one of the richest and most beautiful things that I get to do. And, um, you know, the the returns on investment for a few seconds of whatever, show me and breathing into that, you know, inspire, mm. literally means to breathe, you know. Um, and one of my favorite things when I was looking at all of the different world religions, the different approaches is the stuff, <laughs> the edits that didn't make it into the King James version, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff, the Dead Sea Scrolls that were kind of left off to the side. Yeah. Um, you know, Rud- Rudyard Kipling, the guy that wrote the Jungle Book, um, has this beautiful epitaph. It's, it's up at Forest Lawn in, in the museum outside. Um, at this, this replica of a church in England that was destroyed three times by war. And, um, he talks about, you know, the true prophets, um, Magdalene, Peter, and Paul. You know, their books didn't get published, right? But when you look back at, at the, the, the historical, um, check and balance system, um, you know, there's um, one of the more common translations that made it into the King James Version was uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, mm-hmm. right? Another one was those who are poor in spirit shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that was corroborated in two other places. When they went through and balanced it out with the other checklists, right? The other The other books that didn't make it in, that second one actually had more corroborations of the story and when you translate it directly from aramaic because they finally figured out that language right thanks armenia um the word poor is synonymous with the adjective simple Mm. right or simply the word spirit is synonymous with the word breath or the verb to breathe 
the idea of an inheritance was a misnomer because nobody was disenfranchised from their birthright, right? The prodigal son, they were just right. glad the kid made it back from the desert. You didn't get eaten by wolves and sold as a sex slave? Fucking rock on. Let's slaughter the fatted calf, right? The older brother was super pissed because he's like, Dad, I've been in the fields sweating my balls off all day for you. And that kid, the loser, gets a party. What? You know? And it's like, this is all yours too, my son. You know? No one was disenfranchised. So those who simply breathe possess the kingdom of heaven. That was one of the man, like, just like, yo, BT dubs. It's really that simple. You know? One of the other challenges in that Sermon on the Mount was um, all these things I've done, you can do even greater. So get to it, man. Breathe deep, and you don't have to power through because you're not the one that needs to bring the power. Mm -hmm. And it makes it so much easier. So, Well, we are getting up to the end of this. Mm -hmm. We're at like about um, an hour and ten in right now, but... um, We've got at least what, what, 10 minutes of fluff we can edit out. We, oh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Everything was good. I think that we've covered everything. Good. I think that everyone should be healed. Because I'm late. I, I know. I think I think I, uh, Samantha, she's just like, I thought it was only going to be here for 45 minutes. Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. Samantha, did you have any questions for me? I have six <laughs> minutes before I have to open up a different meeting. Holy crap. <laughs> I just like the hustling story and the two-year-old wedding party. That's great. Uh, that, yeah. She started out amazing. <laughs> we just have to change our hustle. That's all. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, well, thank you, Ray's uh, Energy, for uh, sponsoring us throughout another show. Yes. Um, if uh, you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us through the Terminally Unique Podcast at gmail.com, old school. Or if you want to go to the Facebook page, you can go to the Terminally Unique Podcast there. Or if you want to reach us through IG, you can go to Terminally underscore Unique underscore Podcast and... Um, you know, get a hold of us one of those ways. Send us some, um, send us any kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, geez, why can't I think right now? It's been a long day. Um, if you have a birthday coming up and you want to shout out, please, uh, you know, email us, let us know some way and we'll, we'll, we'd love to say your name. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. I think I love both you so much for being here and helping me out this week. And Lucas can go to hell. Um, <laughs> and uh, Covina is not the sobriety capital of the world. Easy yeah. now, easy. <laughs> That's what that. Uh, yeah, she, Samantha was here to, to make sure that everyone knew that about Covina, Covina. Is the sobriety capital of the oh, world? Oh God, Chris, Chris, and, and Samantha, you guys are terrible. <laughs> I, I thought. All right. it was, I thought it was Weeho. Uh, it, it it probably is, but the, but these we Covina a, people. We have a carpet. They have a carpet yeah. that says it. So <laughs> yeah, apparently that, that trumps everything. And it but. hangs on a wall and everything. All right, guys. I love you guys. I will see you next week or I'll talk to you whenever. Awesome. Uh, okay. Bye. 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 Bye.